Papa Father, this morning as we come into your presence, we are so, so thankful, Father, that you are here with us. We've got these exciting, excitement in our hearts, Lord, just to, to declare you our King and our Lord. Let's just make that declaration. If we all can just raise our hands, just declare with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to your word, to what you have said over me. I receive it, Lord, because I am a son of God. I've got an expectancy, Lord, that the fullness of your word will be manifested in this season. Thank you, Lord, that I come to you with an expectancy of a child. And I know that you will bring forth the promises that you have declared in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's just have a seat. Uh, while you play, just softly in the back, we can. I'm going to just take up the offering as part of our worship. Um, it's, it's a lacquer morning. Who can agree with me? How's it, Stephen? How are you guys? Lekker? Lekker to have you here. And we say for the Ebersons and the Bosoffs and the Maynards and all of you are so lekker. John, just stand up, man. These are my boys. Where's Bongani? Just wait for everyone. These are my boys from Ark. Boykanu and Bongani. Um, we, so um, we, we lost one of our Ark boys this morning, a, a living. He just, he just decided he, he's going on his way. So it's, it's confronting for our hearts sometimes when we work through certain things. Amen. I got a call at 6 o'clock this morning. They broke into the church in Broncos Pride. And they stole all the, the sound and the equipment and stuff like that. And the security companies was there. And at first my heart is confronted because I, I'm angry. I, I don't like stuff. Who doesn't like it when people take your freaking stuff that doesn't belong to them? Okay. So we all feel the same about that. And I immediately had to revert back to say, Lord Jesus, I believe that only good comes in this season. I believe your goodness and your loving kindness chases me down. And whatever you want to do in this season, even though it's difficult for me to interpret, I trust you more than my emotions. So I'm like, Father, we bless it. We, we trust that they will, I, I hopefully we can go and buy it because we've got really nice equipment. We will like to go and buy it back at a cheaper price than what we can get it at another place. Um, but what, what angered me was when I saw how they cut the cables of the TVs and they'll cut the cords right next to the TV. I, I don't know why, how stupid you can be. I was like, yes, Lord, come on. But in any case, um, this morning, let's take up the offering. If there's anyone who wants to use the card machine, please feel free. Is there any new people here today, the first time? Uh, who's first, the first time visitors? I think everyone is most probably... Is jy... Jy is die geliefde. Dis die beter halfde. Die ander halfde. It's taken. Ek kan nie my brille op. Hallo, welkom weer. En, ja, ek dink ons allemaal is al voor jy nie gewees. So gevolg as dit is, guys, we're just going to take up the offering. I'm going to start off in Galatians 4 as part of the word. Galatians 4 verse 1, and it says, In a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better. Who knows that God's promises is always good? Is there anyone that can believe that God's promises is good? And guys, as we come in this morning, I really, I really believe that, that on the basis of giving, 
oh, Sebastian Roff, who knows Sebastian Roff, the boxer? Okay, so he taught me a great statement that I'll always keep with me. He said that it is saliger om te gee as om te ontvang, as it come by box. Okay? So it's the one sport that teaches you about God's goodness. You rather want to give than receive. Okay? And listen here, God has promised our ancestors something better. But as long as an hair is a minor. So as long, this is one of my sons. Joshua, come stand next to me here. Let's give him a hand. He's doing this. He's helping out with the sound this morning. Um, so as long as a hair, listen here. But as long as the hair is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant. He's not is not any different than a servant. So if I had to let this guy inherit a hundred million rand today, what do you guys think he would do? Okay, that's the right answer. At least he's honest. Okay, so he's going to go and buy himself a PlayStation 5. And um, he's going to buy himself plenty of sweets and, um, and uh, plenty of games. And he's going to have a great time for the next two weeks. And then he's going to start thinking to himself. So listen here, it's not because of what he is. He is the hair. Am I right? We are hairs of Christ. It doesn't change his position. It's about the way that he thinks. It's about the mentality that the Bible says as long as the hair is a minor, as long as he thinks like a child, as long as he thinks he can get things on the basis of uh, approval of what, what people will, 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 will give to him, he's no different than the slave. Because he's still thinking like a slave. So let's go on. You can say thank you. He's not really much different than a servant, although he's the master of everything. For until the time appointed by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So that guy's going to have a trustee determining what he can get and how much money they'll make available for him on a monthly basis as he is, he's got certain needs. Am I right? I'm not going to give him 10 million rand and hope he's going to make the right choices. I know he's not going to make the right choices. So I have appointed certain people in my life that will take responsibility until he gets to the point where he can make the right decisions. Now the same with us. We had certain guidance from the law in the Old Testament to bring us to a mature place where we can think as God thinks as we would, would be responsible and believe the promises of God. Does it make sense? So listen here, verse 3. So it is with us when we are juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of this world. So now he's making a comparison with us and a minor child. Can you, can you see where he's going? But when the era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, what time could that might, what time might that be? Who could agree with me that that is the time that Jesus came? For those um, who don't know where I am, I'm in, I'm in Galatians 4. And uh, you guys must please go have the mentality of a cow. So when you go back home, then you go vomit everything out. And then you eat it again. Who knows that a cow eats? He has to reabsorb what he has taken in during, during his time. So it's always good to just go and ob absorb again. But listen here, but when the era came to an end, the time of fulfillment had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the written law. So He sent His Son, Jesus, who was born under the written law. So He had this guidance 
until the fullness of time had come. Let's look at it. Verse 5. Yet all of this was so that, that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law. So what we see is this son has come and he has taken us who were hostage under this written law and he has redeemed us. With other words, he paid the price for us. It's simple terminology, am I right? Does everyone understand? So that we would receive our freedom and the full legal adoption as his children. So that we would receive our freedom. Who, who knows that Jesus has set you free? If the Son has set you free, who, who are really free indeed? And I want to say, that the thing, if I'm talking about, we won't believe how much we are still enslaved by this. The belief systems that we were taught, the way that our parents taught us, this is how you, this is how much I love you. The way that we really think that God wants to be good to us, the Bible says, if your earthly fathers knew how to do good, how much more not your heavenly father. Amen. I believe the biggest struggle in the time that we are living in is the fact that we've got wrong believing. We've got wrong believing. And people have taken that wrong thoughts and they've, we've made a doctrine. We've been born in utmost sin, in uttermost sin. Um, I'm struggling with it. I really believe that, that when, when Jesus came, he dealt with all sin once and for all. Who, knew, who knows that Jesus is the, is the fulfillment of the law? Yes, man, I love, I, I've told you guys before, I've got a serious man crush, crush on him. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. So only after you've taken thoughts captive, and once you get to the point where you can break through, the place where you try and still please the owner of the vineyard, the master of the vineyard. It was a truth statement for the Old Testament, for an inferior covenant. But I want to tell you, I'm not seeking God's approval anymore. Who's still seeking God's approval? I am approved because of His Son. As jy, as jy goed is net doen, so dat jy erkenning kan kry dier jou pa, Hi, Papa, he's ek. Kijk, Papa, ek het die bal in my hande. Just run with the ball. I've, I remember when I was in grade 2, I had this moment on the rugby field, and I caught this rugby ball, and I was on my way to the try line, but I was looking for my parents and not looking for the guys that was coming to the front, trying to see if they could, you know, can you believe it? I'm going for a try. We're going to score this time. And as I was looking there, the next, time, the next moment I got tackled. And I lost the ball and it went forward and they gave advantage to the different team. And I, I believe that it's an allegory to, to what we are doing. We are still trying to approve and get, win God's favor in the time that we live. And the sad thing for me is, is how we've got this great father who's so totally into us. But as a man thinketh in his mind, so he will be. And so many of us has settled for this position that we have what we have and we have completed that we have what we have completed and we'll be and stay what we, we always will, will, will be in just in this state. Imagine Joseph should have believed the lie rather than keeping on to the, the, the hope 
that was laid upon him when he received the prophetic word. How many of you have fully seen your prophetic word coming to fulfillment? Is there anyone who can say that? Who still has prophetic word outstanding on their lives? Okay. So for myself, I say, Lord, I can't give up because I'm faced with different challenges. Like I I awoke this morning and I was confronted by what's going on in our government, the way that our, our system works, and all of a sudden it wants to make me critical. And a critical person can never be, you can't be in praise and be critical. You'll either be one of two. Listen here, now you're no longer living like slaves under the law. Verse 7. But we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're His, we can access everything our Father has. Isn't that the awesome promise? For we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. Just for a moment, I just want you to take that in. If we can believe the promise rather than the lie, and we can, we can absorb this truth into our lives, there will be a manifestation because the word promise as a man thinks so he will be. Not he might be, not he can be, he will be. And I really believe that the church has been settling for a lower position than what God has originally called us to walk in. So let the poor say that I am rich. Let the weak say that I am strong. It's having a different confession to what you are experiencing, not because of you are being unrealistic, because you believe the word of God rather than any other confession over your life. Let's just close our eyes. Just put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray for the spirit of, a do- of sonship to be on us this morning. As we are speaking on identity, Lord, I want to fix, Lord, that we are sons. And Jesus, thank you, Father, that even this morning as we come into your courts with thanksgiving in our hearts, thank you, Father, that we can give. Thank you, Lord, that you bless our giving. I want to ask, Lord, that there will be a multiplication in people's lives, in their finances, in their health, because they believed your word in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. Donkey, Yella. Let's just give them a hand. I think they were awesome. You know that the Bible says in Hebrews, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. That this type of gathering is where, when, especially when we are believers coming together, if we have unbelievers here this morning, it would be a testimony for them when we get together because there should be people coming to the front saying, listen, yeah, I've got a testimony. Who's got a testimony this week? Who had something, happen to, uh, had something happening in their lives that they would like to say, man, I just want to give him the glory for that. Anyone? And I want to I create culture is caught, it's not taught. Amen? I can't teach people culture. It is something that you have to, have to grasp in your heart. And I really believe that the Lord wants to change the way that we do church as just going to church and being normal church people, good people, just want to be a better... That, that's what the Hindus do. The Hindus uh, just wants to be at a place where they want to be a bit better. Amen? 
I don't want us just to be better. I want us to, to understand who and what we really are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And unless we get to a point where we truly believe the word, we won't. Be, the, the Bible says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind. The word metanoia is not, it's, we would say the word metanoia means literally to walk into one direction, then to turn around into another direction. Okay? It is not as much the walking that it is talking about than rather the thinking. It is, it is more applied, the Greek word there more applies to the way of thinking. With other words, I'm thinking into a certain direction and God is challenging me to think into another direction. To change the way of thought. Who can agree with me? Our, 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 our biggest problem is the way that we think. Is what we fix in our hearts and what we believe in our hearts and that becomes our truth. And if God can change that in our lives, if we can see, look at people living in an inferior, if I call it an inferior covenant, I really want you to understand that, that David had a superior idea of who Christ is. If I look at the church today, David had a greater revelation of Jesus than the church has today in an inferior covenant where we've got a superior testament. Amen? Can I get any amens? I want you to think it over. Because if we really believe the truth, the truth will set you free. If you take the word to your heart, then there's nothing that will be able to come between you and God and His word. There's nothing that will be, that will be able to stop God's goodness that He wants to do in this season in your life. And it's not if God wants to be good. The Bible says God is good all the time. Amen? Think of it. What is it that brought you to God? Your fear of hell? What is the reason why you came to God first off? The Bible says it was the kindness of God that led us to repentance. Have you ever seen someone that, my wife is a very kind girl. Okay, I'm not always that kind. I'm still working on my kindness. But in, in, in effect, God is drawing people because of his kindness. So sometimes we want to tell people, come in and we are kind. And then all of a sudden, everything changes and it becomes this hybrid teaching. Now you must perform. Now you've got this 20 set of rules so that you can make it. And if you don't, if you don't apply all 20, then you, are, or you have fallen short and you don't have the right to draw close to God. It's not what the word makes it. The word makes a prostitute who's brought to Jesus. I spoke on, on this last week. A girl that was brought to Jesus and needed to be judged on the basis of what she has just done and what the, 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 uh, the guardians are telling them is basically what, what should we do with a woman that has been caught in the act of adultery? And the Lord is working in my heart. Guys, I'm going to work through this over and over and over again because I really believe that the Lord is working in our heart in this season to break away from certain ideologies, certain thoughts, and certain belief systems that have kept us in a certain place in the church. Amen? Who, who believes that if we come and we pray for the sick, the sick must be healed? Is there anyone who still believes the word of God that, it, that he says it? They will be healed. 
Now, I'm not telling God to do anything. I'm just coming into alignment and telling you guys that if we really believe what the Word says, that should be the, the manifestation of the, the result of what we do. The problem is, if I had to ask anyone today who has prayed for the sick, I doubt that 10% will raise their hand. Who has prayed for the sick the past week? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so I think more than 10%. Let's give the church a hand. I think that's glorious. Because if we believe God's word, it will be counted to us as righteousness. That's what happened to Abraham. He was counted righteous because he believed in what God has said. Am I right? The problem is that we don't believe what God says, and then we don't feel righteous. Now, righteousness, I, I asked last week, um, is righteous, I don't believe we can become more righteous. Okay, we've settled that last week. I believe we can grow in our understanding of righteousness, but I don't believe that you can become more righteous than what you are at this moment. I can't be more righteous after I've just made a mistake. I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And if I can make that my belief system, and I can continually remind myself of the promises that God makes in His Word, then we should not have an inferior gospel like we have at this stage. And I want to tell you, the early church fathers called this a non-gospel. The word gospel means the good news. What was the good news? That Jesus came and He died. And mostly we believe that He came, Jesus came to take the sin away from us. Who believes that? that? What is the main reason? We mostly believe that Jesus came to restore us from sin. And that is again where I come to our belief system in the West is that we are so sin conscious and just want to get removed from sin that I don't believe that Jesus came mainly to, 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 to take sin away. That is what was needed. I believe Jesus came to restore a relationship. He came to be relational with us. This morning I asked the band when I came in here, I said to them, well... The Bible says that God can't look upon sin. Who's ever heard that? Okay? And if Jesus was God, how did he sit with a prostitute that was watching, washing his feet? And who had seven demons? So, I really believe that Jesus is into the restoring of relationship more than any other thing. He's there to restore us so that we will feel functional with a father knowing that he approves and that he has loved and that he has chosen us as his chosen instrument. Who's ever seen in the, the book of Psalms where David writes and he says, I've been his chosen instrument. Now, I, I've got a few guitars in my house, okay? But I've got one baby, okay? If I take a um, second yodel, okay? And it's a tailor. And whenever I, we've got a, 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 I don't know what the other one, the one was a celebrity, the one is a Yamaha, the one is something else. What is your guitar now? Okay. I can take all of those guitars, but then I've got my, my, my chosen instrument. And that is basically what we become in God's hands whenever we get our minds right. And then people say, Matthias, but what will happen if you preach this because people will fall into sin? No. As my mind gets clearer and I know more who I am, 
the better I will function as I am. As I'm called to be. Amen? Let's go and look at an example. Let's turn to, in our Bible to Daniel 3 verse 4. Now, if you've never read the story, this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And um, the reason why I'm pointing out the, the, this passage this morning is as I'm on, I'm on the topic of identity, I want you to understand these are people in an inferior time under an inferior covenant, and yet they have an expectation for God to pitch up because they've known His character through the Word. Only people in the Bible who had true encounters with the Holy Spirit, especially in the Old Testament, where they had this encounter, were enabled to say, Father, man, I believe your word more than anything here. And I would gladly sacrifice my life if I could be. This is not as much an effort to try and be right. It's more an uh, exposition on showing us what they believed and how God was faithful to do what he has said he was going to do. Now let's look at it. And, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the litter, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you ought to fall down and worship the golden image that, the, that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, for those who didn't read verse 1, which we didn't do now, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had raised up a huge statue of himself where he wanted everyone, whenever there was an instrument played or a sound was made, that people would bow their knees and they would worship this, this, this um, huge statue and give recognition to a man with the name of Nebuchadnezzar, which was a mighty man. And that's the problem. Whenever people becomes very strong or uh, a nation became um, great, they would start to call the Caesars and they'll give them a title like a type of God. Amen? Who knows that we are, we are demigods in our own sense? Well, we are in Jesus and Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Who knows that we are the body of Christ? I really believe that we are, you made a quote earlier this morning, you said that we were made just a little bit lower than the angels. In the right translation, in the, in the Hebrew, it would not read right because they would not ever mention the name Yahweh. He said you were made a little bit lower than Elohim himself. That's the right translation on that. And it doesn't make us angels, it makes us little gods. Who was made into God's image? If we had to get an image bearer of God, who would, he, who would he push forward? Well, I want to tell you, it's you. I made a statement a few weeks ago at the men's night, and I said, I had a black pastor friend of mine, Pastor Elliot, come to me, and he said, you know, Pastor Matthias, why the devil hates you? And I said, no. He said, because you're made in God's image. You are an image bearer. So what we have here. It's that, that, that people believe in certain images. And we believe that we are subdued to certain, certain images. And sometimes the images of our father will overshadow our belief system and will become like our dads or like our mom. Not that it's always a bad thing. Who had a great dad? Is there anyone who had a great dad? Let's give them a hand. I think that's, that's worthy to be praised. But sometimes we get overthrown by people's belief systems. 
And here we've got Nebuchadnezzar. Let's read verse 6. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. So now there was a law written. And how it worked in that area, whenever a law was made, the king himself couldn't even go against that law. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the leather, litter, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, all those music instruments, all the people and nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, I want to ask a simple question this morning. Who would have worshipped that image? Is there anyone? So we are fully committed. Each and every one of us would have stand and said, there's no way we were going to bend down here. On the basis of this story, the whole nation of Israel was bowing their knees. And Israel is a, a, a typology of the church. It's a type of the church. It reveals who we are. The whole church was as one man, when they heard that instrument falling on their knees, and they were worshipping this idol, Nebuchadnezzar. Because it was easier to get away, and then afterwards to be Christian, and then to say, listen here, but yes, we believe we still pray to, to Yahweh, but we just bent our knee. Amen? You see, the problem with... The, when, when we ever start compromising, whenever we start bowing our knees to certain images, and I want to tell you, some people have bowed their knees to cancer. Some people have bowed their, their belief system that you will always be poor. Some people have believed that our marriage will never be better. It's certain things that we bow our knee in front. I want to ask you, in a sense, how does your Goliath look? How does, how does this confrontation sit in your throat? If you, can, if you can fix in your heart that, yes, Lord, there are certain things that I have come into agreement with that I sh never should have come into agreement with. Um, Kim Walker, is it Kim Walker who sing, sings that song, I Come Out of Agreement? Kim Walker. Uh, she sings, I Come Out of Agreement. With the lies that you have, whatever. And then I come into agreement. And I want to say to you, it is a season for us to come out of agreement with certain things in our lives. And on the basis of identity, if you don't know what God has said about you, you will always bow your knee. Not because we are bad, because we don't know the truth. And because we've got this, this, this idea which doesn't state, state through in the Bible. Let's look at verse 8. Therefore, at the time, a certain Chaldean came forward and miraculously accused the Jews, the church. They, decided, they, they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the, the horn, the pipe, the letter, the, what, all those instruments... And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Christians, Jews, believers, who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There are certain people... 
who does not come in agreement with your gods, with your images, and what you want them to believe. Now, obviously, who thinks that said writing in Nebuchadnezzar's throat? Who would, if you told your children you only have screen time for two hours today, and they do four hours, with who does that sit right? So these guys are just being blatant, disobedient, and um, they're being disrespectful towards him, and he's taking it personally. Let's read verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Is it true, church, am I hearing right that there are people that are busy opposing the system that is all around us? And I'm not speaking about the world. I don't have a, I don't have a clue what the, what's going on in the world system. I don't know what the New World Order's agendas are. I don't know... I don't know nothing about anything. I only know the things about Jesus. That's what I studied about. So the thing is for me, I'm, if I'm talking this morning about ideas or identity, identity is a belief system that reveals to you how precious you are in Christ's sight. What your worth might be. Who's ever seen um, that, that um, allegory where someone will take a hundred rand note and they will... Frommel it up, what say that? That word. And then they'll take it and they'll throw it in the dustbin and they'll take it through some tuna sauce on it and then they take it out and it stinks like fish after a few days, but it's still worth a hundred rand. Who's ever seen that? So our worth is not in the fact how we look or smell or where we come from, what the color of your skin might be, anything like that. It's all about what Christ has said about us. Amen? It's your health is not supposed to be anything else than what Christ has said about it. Let's read in verse 15. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, and all those instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. But, just say to the person next to you, but. Who's ever heard the word but? Yes, like man, I, I remember the first time I was going to break up with a girl. Whoever did that? And I said, for yes, like my poppy, I get your leaf. Yes, he's cute, the thing, you're the moist, small, you're the oldest, the oldest. But, more. That means let's cancel out everything that I've just said. Now focus on what I'm going to say now. Who's, who's experienced but to be like that? Jy is die beste werker, jy is eerste in die ochende by die werk, jy is die slimste, die mooiste, jou naals is die oulikste gedoen, but, <laughs> unfortunately, you're the first one to go because you came in, no, no, let's get around all the, the, this is what we're going to say now. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? You see, what Nebuchadnezzar didn't know, that he was prophetically speaking, and he was asking a question, and the question is very simple. Who is the God that is able to save you out of the hands? What is able to save you out of your present circumstances? 
What is able to take and turn your world around so that you will have what God says you will have? What is there that you can revert to? And if you earnestly believe the Lord, that the Lord can change in this very moment, and He can change everything in your life. It's not through power. It's not through might. It's not through uh, a great bank account. It's not through anything else. But the word says it's through His through his spirit. It's through the spirit. It's not through power nor through might. So who's received the spirit of God? As part of an inheritance. You know that Ephesians says that when you received the Holy Spirit, you were sealed with that promised Holy Spirit. Now I've got a bottle here that is still sealed. I haven't opened it as yet. So when I have to press it, it's not going to do anything funny. But once I've opened it, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, when you are sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, it means there's, it's not contaminated. And nothing goes in and nothing goes out. Weet al, die skrifgedeelte geword, moet nie dronk word van wijn nie, maar word constant gevuld die Heilige Geest. Don't get drunk of wine, but be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So how does the, 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 the infilling of the Spirit works? It means to be under the constant flow of the Spirit. To be where He is. To stay in step with the Spirit. Amen? Let's read through this. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We have no desire. I, I want to tell you, this is quite arrogant. Remember now, it's not only, we know what the end of the story is. But at this stage, they did not know what the end was going to look like. They did not have a sure um, fact that there was going to be a fourth man in the fire. They did not at this stage have all the, 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 the um, information that was on the table. And here they think themselves to answer the king and say, listen here, we don't even find it fit to answer you in this matter. Who is this God that will deliver you out of our... We're not even going to answer you. We don't see that we, we're going to have this conversation with you. We're not going to go into a dialogue, whose God is right, who's better, why things aren't working. Who's ever heard that one? Where's your God? Where's your God? Why is it going with you as it's going if your God is alive? Why are you working through these things? Why is there pain in the world? Why is there war? That's things that I had to work through. And I had to go and say, Lord, you need to, to reveal your heart for me. You know that God loves us so much that he has given us free will and election. The fact that you can have a choice to serve him. He's not forced you. He's not forced anyone in this room into a corner and forced himself on us. He's not a rapist. The bad thing with free will and election is that you leave people over to make choices and who has been affected by the choices of people in their lives? I want to tell you that I have felt many blows and pains of people's ungodly choices. And it's not that God ever approved of their sinful nature. You know what love really means? That you can allow your wife to get into the car, go to work, and you trust her to come back at what time ever. And if she's late, you take a word. And the same with your husband. 
my relationship with my wife has taught me a lot. It's taught me that, that sometimes things, you know, maybe sometimes people's phones just get flat. It doesn't mean she's in a relationship. And there were certain insecurities that I had to deal with in my life and in my heart because I was heartbroken at what happened in my past and it became my present. And now I had these demons chasing me down, revealing stuff to me that wasn't even there in the room. Amen? I had to take some thoughts captive and then place it under His will. Wie toch gehoor dat die Bijbel sê dat jy met elke gedachte gevangen in neem? You need to take every thought captive and surrender it to His will. Now I want to say to you that many times we don't have the ability to take our thoughts captive and then our thoughts get the better hand of our relationships. Amen? Listen here, verse 17, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I thought to myself, Lord, these guys are really originals. Because they've never seen someone going into a fiery furnace. They've never had a, 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 a person being saved out of a fire. The only example they can revert to was where Abraham's son was saved from a goat. Was replaced with a goat. And he didn't go through the sacrifice. And here they are answering the king on this. And I said to myself, Lord, I really don't understand it. Let's read verse 18. But if not, be it known to you. It doesn't matter what, what's going to happen. It doesn't happen. It, I don't care if you barbecue me. That's what he's saying. We don't have a, we don't have a clue what's going to happen. If we get barbecued, praise the Lord, then we'll be with, with God. Now, being, I want to tell you, these guys were very wealthy people. They were prospects in, in Babylonia, and they were or prefects. They were being paid very well. And all of them were in a good position, and now they are busy burning their jobs because of their belief system. O king, what will we... That, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who's ever seen your vrou as a sousir back Okay, my, my wife doesn't get that. I just want to say that. I've seen other people's wives do that. Okay. So pray him back So I will say, and I say, Wie sy vrou as jy nou beklaar en jy sê, Gee my soen. Dan gee hulle soek een stuive lippe. Sy vrouw verskoning en dan gee sy vir jy stuive lippe. I don't get that. I remember when we were very youngly married. <laughs> I like it when I have the mic. Okay, so when we were youngly married, um, we would have arguments and she'll be wrong and then she'll admit at being wrong and then I would, die bybel sê ons moet versoen. So as jy moet versoen, moet jy kan? Soon. Okay? So I said, my life is all right. And I come to my stable lippies. I said, I'm I thought you were sorry. Okay, so that's just relationships 101. For those who didn't know, you give your friend a stable back of that. You don't give a, no silent treatment. If you say sorry, you mean it. Okay? 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was full. So here his expression on his face changed. Who's ever, who's ever seen, spoken to someone you can see on their face? Yes, this guy is now angry. Okay, if you've ever been in trouble with me, you will see it in my face. Okay, I'm so good here on this place. Weet jy, hoe weet jy dit hy? Jy sien my, hy het duidig te self my, ek word rooi, is ek kwaad. Buitpaar word ek rooi, is ek bloos ook. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled, ek listen jy, and his face changed against Shadrach, Mesek and Abinech, and he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Can you imagine someone is so enraged against you that they will heat the, the oven seven times more? This is one of your frau for you to step in your corset. This is what they used to do. Daisy the Melker. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abinyehu and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and their other garments and they were, were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. And because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who stood behind Shadrach, Mesach, and Abinyehu. And I want to say to you, sometimes this was the king's finest soldiers. The, the oven was so hot that the guys that had to throw them into the oven was consumed by the fire. And yet these men, let's just read, I'm just going to complete this. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abinyehu, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in a haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast in three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearances of the fourth is like the son of the gods. That we not throw free men bound into the fire. And now I see four men walking unbound in the fire. And I, I can just imagine this. Who's ever thought of a party, four people attending in the midst of a fire? That's what's happening. If you ever wondered where, um, where, if there was a, a, what do you call it, um, revival. revival, this is serious revival, okay? It's you spending time with Jesus in the midst of the fire. I want to say to you that many times your mouth and your exposition will bring you to a place where people will want to throw you into a fire. Your belief system in this day and time. I, I'm walking a road with many, many of my younger people that we're walking a road with. Some of them are experiencing homosexual, um, they had homosexual experiences. And they come out of homosexual backgrounds because that is the agenda what the media is pushing at this stage. And I have to go to back to these people now and I'm not going to homosexuals and telling them they are going to hell. Because liars are also going to hell. I'm showing them who they are in Christ Jesus and they get convicted themselves by the Holy Spirit that tells them who and what they are. I don't go to people and try and hurt people because their sin looks different than my sin. I convict them of the truth and get them into a relationship with the Holy Spirit 
And then all of a sudden you see people's way of thinking and believing starts changing. I don't go to poor people and get them to tithe. That's the worst thing you can do. I will convict them of who they are in Christ and show them the way forward. And after they have come to the knowledge of what and how the system is that God has created, and God gives even if you don't, because He's a good, good Father. You know how many times I've compensated? The other day, Joshua bought a knife from me, and he paid the full price of the knife. Uh, okay? It's that knife. It's real, real guys that comes with knives to, to church. Okay? You, you need to have a knife with you always. Okay, you need to have a knife with you. You need to have your Bible with you. You need to have your gun on you. Okay? <laughs> it's a it's it, it's a baie goeie exegese. <laughs> and um, he, he paid the full price for the knife. So his brother came. I ordered two of them. And he wanted to buy a knife, but he fell short with 50 rand. He didn't have the full amount. So what I did is I compensated and I gave him 50 rand back so that I would redeem and pay the whole price so that both of them could enjoy having a knife. Who's ever done that for your children? Now, that's exactly what I see what God would do the whole time in people having a wrong belief system. They will com- he will compensate and fill up which is lacking on your behalf. And this morning, it's not as much as I want people lying on the ground. In this season, I want to see people stand up with the right way of thinking. Because I believe one of the things God is restoring in church is integrity. Is one of them. Is that your ja, ja, wees, that your near, near, wees. I want to, God restoring relationships. I want people lying on the ground. And I don't want people to be judgmental. When we've got the broken coming, if we pray for the Lord, I'm, I'm walking a road, and from time to time, we'll walk a road with girls who's got a very bad reputation. I'm walking a road with guys that's been some of the roughest guys around, and they've made very bad mistakes. And yet, if I come close to them and I have to convict them and make them sin conscious, I will never see the captives come free. So what is the good news? How, how does God's kindness look in this? I want to tell you this morning, it's the fact that you are kind towards people that you have the right to speak into their lives. Who of you are kind people? Is there any of you? Yeah. You know that kindness starts once you can open up your heart and your pocket towards other people? Amen. But what happens, Matthias, if they go and buy drugs? Let them buy drugs. Because I don't need to manipulate people to get money into the church. I need to get people to understand that you do this out of a basis, and this is the place where you want to give. So I don't want to control your finances. I don't want to tell people, you know what we teach people? We teach people you need to tithe, and it's a 10% thing. I want to tell you in the New Testament, there's nothing like a 10%. It's everything. You come to God, and everything is His. And you, for, you, you, you forsake your right to live. So Matthias, what, do you, are you manipulating people? No. I'm not going to work in every, anyone's heart not to do what the Spirit wants you to do. I've had people coming to church saying, yeah, listen, yeah, the Spirit tells me we've got three cars at home. We want to give a car to a family that's struggling. So we give cars away. We had a season where we literally gave cars away. Two, once a month, we gave a car away. Who would like that? Of course. That's God's kindness. So now people told me, Matthijs, the people are only coming to church for the cars. I said, great. 
At least they're coming. I want businessmen and I want to see people with an expectancy to give away one car a month. And I had. I challenged people and people would come and they'd say, listen, I'll buy a car cash and I'll give it away. No, you've been in that services, am I right? Have we did that? And now all of a sudden, I'm blessed. It's nicer for me to give a car away than to get one. Who's ever experienced that? I told my wife when we were youngly wed that I, I really loved the fact that someone would bless us so that we can go, could go away. So we would always pray and say, Lord, please, we want to go away. Let someone bless us so that we can go away. And then I came to the point, like, I said, I'm going to go on vacation. We don't know what I'm talking And I said, frack it. So what I want to do is I want to have the choice. I rather want to give vacations away. So that's one of the things we do is from time to time we buy vacations and we bless people with vacations. Because it's a way that people can get out. It's the goodness and the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Okay, does that make sense? I don't know why I've, I've reverted to this, but I'm in a season of beloved identity. And I really believe that God's just, He wants to love us in a certain sense. And He wants us to experience His goodness and His kindness and Unless the church come where we have this revelation, we can preach. I can tell you, we can have the one the most wonderful session out here. If you don't get in your car and drive out here and it makes an impact in, into Pretoria, we've done nothing. If we're only coming together to have a great time here, it's good that we have a great time. But I believe it's once the message was preached, the effect of the gospel must continue. And that Jesus wants people to step out here and to say, listen here, man, I'm picking up the beggar at the street. When we came here, I said to these guys, there's a lady the other day, I got her here at the robot, and um, she's, she's wasted. I got her the other day with the needle, she was lying with the needle in her arm. I was speaking to her, just if you, if you go straight here to the circle there at Atterbury, um, there in that park, she's lying there, and now she's got the needle in her arm. I was saying, I said, Tanya, Jerach, she looks like a Tanya, she's younger than me. I'm like, Tanya, is okay? Stuff like this. No, no. Say, skaste, broer. And I prayed to her. I said to you, do you want help? She says, no, I'm fine. She wants money? I said, no, no, I'm not going to give you money now. Do you want help? Can I arrange you to go somewhere that, where they can help you and you get on a program? No, no, no. I don't want that. People would rather sit with their head. Amen. And Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the, the, the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and, and saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The fire had no power. Seven times hotter fire had no power over them. The hair on their heads was not even what we call I've word is singed, and their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. I want to say to you, when God's taking us into something, the effect of where He's taking us into should have nothing on us. The place He's taking you into, the thing you are going, when you are going through a cancer period, it should have no effect on you. If you, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Who's ever read Romans 8? There's nothing in the whole creation that is able to take us away from God. Now I want us to turn to John 12. John 12, 27. Even though I'm torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from the hour of trial. 
This is Jesus. And now he's sitting, let's just, let's just quickly conclude. John 11, Jesus went to Lazarus. And he prayed for Lazarus and there was this great manifestation and a dead man came out of the grave. Who's ever read that story? Awesome story. If you haven't read that, please go and read it at home. And then he comes back to that very area and he had this great makiti and everyone was coming to Jesus and they wanted to see the miracle of Lazarus that, that stood, from the, uh, stood up from the grave. They would come to be witnesses. And the, the Pharisees was angry because all of a sudden Jesus was drawing people and they made this statement. They said, now people will surely believe and none of the people that believe will turn around. We have to get rid of our problem. So this is now, when we come into John 12, this is the last week when, before Jesus was crucified. Everything from John, John 12 to John 21 is basically one week period where Jesus was going to, get, to, to die. Amen? And everything from John 13 is the last night before he gets crucified. So this is the place where he came entering into Jerusalem and everyone might, wanted to make him king of kings. Who's ever read it? Okay, now let's go on. Even though I'm torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from the hour of our trial. I want to ask you, who's praying the Lord? Lord, take me out of this thing. Take me out of it. If you are uncertain about your call and your destiny and the anointing upon your life, who knows that the anointing upon your life will break every yoke? You've got a yoke-breaking anointing on your, on your life. And it doesn't matter where you end up in or where, what's, what's happening around you, that you'll always have the ability to overcome by the blood of the Lamb so that you will have a testimony. That's what the Bible teaches us. Who, who wants a testimony? Who wants to be able to tell people about God's goodness? Amen. Yes, man, I want to tell you, I, I've got a testimony in my marriage. I've got a testimony in my personal life. I've got a testimony in our finances. There's no area in our life that is untouched. We've got a testimony with our baby daughter. We've got a testimony with our sons. I remembered when, when Benjamin nearly drowned, and he was the only one who, who witnessed or heard his brother fall into the pool. We were at, at friends. Um, we were visiting friends. And then my wife drove over that guy when he was a baby. <laughs> Yeah, so, how old were you? I think I was he went and he threw a tantrum in, on the garage floor, and she drove straight over him. That's the way you sort out a tantrum. Okay, no, 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 I'm joking. <laughs> he, she didn't see him lying down on the f garage floor. And we're sitting, in, I'm sitting in Durban on a, on a, a crusade, and now she's phoning me. I've just uh, we, we need to go to, to the place where we need where we, where we have to go and preach. And now she's phoning me and say, "Listen, yeah, I just drove over your boy." I said to her, "Listen, just take the phone. I don't I have the ability now to get." I said, "Pray and let's come into agreement." We came into agreement when she came out of the doctor's office. The doctor said he's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with him. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. I want to say to you that we believe that as Christians we should not go, go through any trials and tribulation. I want to say to you, vermenigvuldig is die teespoede van die rechtvaardige. We're going to work through different things because that's where you have a testimony about God's goodness and what He's doing. And unless you work through things, for suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, 
character produces hope. Unless we work through certain things, we will always struggle to believe that God is good. And that is the reason why the Lord is changing our testimony in this season. Because if we can believe right, everything around us will work out for His good. And listen here. For I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself up to God. Do you know that your purpose is to fulfill God's will? Who knows that God's got you here for, for a reason? You might feel very insignificant. Can you imagine Samuel's mother, Hannah, how insignificant she felt when she could not bring forth children? Yet she would not cease to believe and to continue in that idea that she is unfruitful. She would go back to God and say, Lord, I just want to tell you that I've got a womb and I'm a woman, so I believe that something needs to happen in here when my husband comes and lie with me. And I'm trusting you for a favorable outcome. Year after year they will draw up, but she would not grow weary in asking God. The Bible says, Want op die rechte tijd, sal die die deur bring. Am I right? Who, who, who knows that it's the right time? This season is the right time. When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son. There's a right time. There's a perfect timing in God, and it's this season. For I have come to fulfill the purpose, to offer myself to God. Verse 28. So, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly, a booming voice was heard from the sky. <laughs> I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it through you again. It's like the Simba encounter. <laughs> I must get another child to work this station. I'm not allowed to slap him in front of the church. Verse 29, and the audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. Some thought it was only thunder, yet others said, an angel just spoke to him. Guys, this, it's an open, clear sky. There's no thunder. And then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours to help you believe. The voice is for whose benefit? Jesus already knew who he was in the Father. This was not to affirm Jesus. And that's what I say. Sometimes people will speak to me on the basis and say to me that God is near to the brokenhearted. People will, when I speak to pastors in, 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 in my circles and will speak about that, that they'll always tell me how God is coming close to the broken. It's not that we should stay broken or that God wants to be close to our brokenness. It's that God is doing things so that we can understand what nearness is. His emphasis is on nearness, not on the brokenness. Who knows that God is always near us? He'll never leave nor forsake us. Nearness is something that we, we don't understand and grasp. And especially if you struggle with a bad identity. Because you will never think that God will be near you. Once I sin or I disappoint, he withdraws. It's like the husband that promises he peach and he doesn't. Anyone experienced that before? Amen? Listen here. Yeah. 31. Um, from this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. 
let's just read that. This is very important. This is, the, this is the climax of what I'm telling you guys today. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change, for the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. Let's just fix this. So now the Father comes. He makes a declaration. He speaks over Jesus. The fact that he speaks over Jesus is not for Jesus' sake. It's for whose? It's for ours. The fact that Jesus pitched up in the oven with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not for them because they were willing to go to heaven. Am I right? It was on the basis of those who did not believe. Everyone who compromised. So why would we go through certain things? Because God wants us to stand up and to believe His word and it will be counted to us as righteousness. Amen? So just think now. Now He says, from this moment on, Everything in the world is about to change. How does things in your world change? How do we get our world to change? It's if we can hear the word of God. If we can discern that it is God that is speaking. And if we can change the way we think. Because Jesus wasn't feeling sorry for himself. For going to work through certain things. And if it comes to the basis of identity, once the church can understand, everything works out for his good. Not some things. Everything for them who believe works out for their good. Is there anyone that can say amen? amen. Who's being thankful for your circumstances? I want to tell you, I'm thankful. The other day I said to my, one of my best friend's wives when he passed away last year, I had to make this statement. I said, Lord, I'm... I'm heartbroken, but I'm thankful for this season. And it sounds so, so contradicting, but in it there is so much glory. Because there was lost dreams and things that will never happen, but it's not through power nor through might. It's not through the way that we discern it and see it. It's by the fact that Jesus is going to do it. And I was leaning and using him as a crutch. And God wanted us to say, listen here, I want you to stand up and to walk. Amen. For I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself to... Okay, from this moment on, everything in this world is about to change, for the ruler of the dark world will be overthrown. And how do we overthrow the devil? Who knows how, how to overthrow the devil? Praying in the name of the Lord is a good one. The way that we overthrow the, the devil is by knowing who we are. Because the only thing that the devil has done from the beginning is the devil has no right to kill us. If the devil could have killed you, you wouldn't be alive. If he could have killed you, you would have been dead, am I right? So he can't kill you, so what will he do? He distracts us. How does he distract us? By keeping us busy with the lie and not with the truth. By telling us certain things to believe which is not in the Father's heart. And once we settle for that way of thinking, we are compromised. John 13, 21. Then Jesus was moved deeply in the spirit. Looking at his disciples, he announced, I tell you the truth, one of you is about to betray me. And the reason why I've placed this in, in the identity one is I want you to... to I want this whole scenario to play out but I want you to see Peter's situation in this because Peter is really loved by Jesus he's one 
of the three core disciples that always went with Jesus. Who knows that? Okay, so Peter is this radical guy. Who really, who's, who's Peter's? Do you have any Peters in here? You see, I want to say, of job. Okay? My name is Jay. You like my sir? Jelle Owens, Wessel? Jelle, sir? Liesel? Is it Jelle? No, no, Jelle is nice. Okay. Now listen here. Yeah? I tell you the truth, one of you is about to betray me. And eyeing each other, the disciples puzzled over which one of them could do such a thing. Which one of them? So they are puzzling it out. They're asking themselves the question which of you is going to be the betrayer? Who of you have thought yourself to be the betrayer? Is there anyone? I've been there. I felt that I've betrayed him. Listen here. And the disciples that Jesus dearly loved was at the right of him at the table and was leaning his head on Jesus. You know that the church fathers came at 70 after Christ. And they asked John, would you please write us your perception or your experience of the gospel. They only had the gospel, the three synoptic gospels, which was Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Great gospels. They came to John, they said, John, you're an old man now. And all the other disciples have passed away. And we don't have a, a, a gospel. And they were begging him, they said, there's something lacking in the gospel. And there's no one that can express the love of Jesus as, as John did. He had this great expository on who and what Jesus was. And listen here, this disciple that Jesus dearly loved, doesn't that sound different? You know what's one of the things? When I came to the Lord, I wanted to emphasize how much I loved him. And then every time I made a mistake or I felt short, I wanted to withdraw. And I wanted to stay away and say, Lord, I've not loved you that much. And then the Lord started changing my heart in showing me how much he's loving me. And how much he has paid the price to be right with me. And all of a sudden, all the efforts that I applied to be closer to God and how I have tried to come closer and to love him more has stopped and ceased. All of a sudden, I felt his love towards me. Who's ever felt that? It's, his, it's now not my performance that's drawing God's goodness. It's his performance that has promised it. And I've believed him. And all of a sudden, I'm stepping into fiery furnaces. Because I can go out and say, Lord, I've, I've believed you. Now these disciples are eyeing one another. They are trying to figure out who's the one. And yet here there's John just lying and leaning back into Jesus' chest. He's just so in love. He doesn't have a clue. I don't, I don't care who's doing it. I just want to be with Jesus. I'm going to lean against his chest. I want to tell you, we've got marriages that's breaking up because we are stressing about finances. And I rather get together and unify because there where there's unity, God demands a blessing. And it's not a recipe. It's a state of being. I said earlier that Jesus came more not to, to explore our brokenness, but to teach us on nearness. It's all about relationship being restored. Who feels great at the idea that Jesus wants to restore you in relationship? He wants to give you everything in his word. He came and he wants to have no lack on your behalf. 
He wants you to draw close with a heart that says, Daddy, here I am, use me. But Lord, I'm still, I'm, I'm, fall, I'm falling short. It doesn't matter. I want to use you. But Lord, I've got all. It doesn't matter. Just come close. I want to use you. Amen. I want to say to you, it is in those times that we draw closer. I want to, as closer we come to the sun, the more clearer he becomes for us. And listen here. This disciple leaning on his right hand on the table was leaning his head on Jesus. And Peter gestured to the disciple to ask Jesus who he was referring to. So now Peter is saying, John, John, just ask him, who is the guy that's going to betray? And now Jesus is going to tell them straight out, listen here, then the dearly loved disciple leaned into Jesus' chest and whispered, Master, who is it? He wasn't even caring about it. He knows it's not him. Why? Because he's so into Jesus and Jesus is so into him that he allows him to lie in his chest. And he doesn't have a clue to perform and try and be anything. He does not try and please God so that God will accept him. He's not trying showing God that how holy he is and how he has complied with the laws and how everything he's doing is to try and get God satisfied. It's when Jesus came in and you're going to see now he's going to wash the disciples' feet and Peter is going to tell him, Jesus, not only my feet, but my whole body. Because first he wanted to refuse Jesus. Why? Because his identity in God is so weak that he never wants God to serve him. He needs to serve God. And we are struggling with that in the church because we are trying to please a God that is unfailing. And only if we can understand, it's not in your effort to come close to Him. It is in being that you are already close to Him. He has chosen you before the foundations of the earth. He's chosen you with all your mistakes. And He has loved you to the point of death. And He's given you no reason not to draw close. And that's the gospel. It's His kindness. And Peter gestured. And I want you to really just see how, how this whole thing is playing off. And then... The one I give the piece of bread to, this is now Jesus, after I dipped it in the bowl. And Jesus replied, then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and then had handed it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And when Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus looked at Judas and said, what you are planning to do, go and do it now. now I'm not going to put a great emphasis on this. Because I want to say to you this today, that the devil has entered into the church because people has believed lies. You have been compromising. If Judas was into Jesus, if he had a heart there to surrender, Jesus would have embraced him just there and then. And none of those around the table realized what was happening. Okay, so just think about this. Twelve people sitting around this table. Jesus is sitting there. And now he's dipping this bread in the morsel and he's giving it to Judas Iscariot. He says, go and do whatever. And he got, the devil came into him. But no one else knows what's going on. I want you to see now what's going to happen. So Peter sitting around the table is later going to believe that he's the betrayer of Jesus. And that's why he gave up the whole ministry. And he went back and he went fishing. And he went and he left everything behind. Because he believed that he was the one that was, was, was referring to around this table. And I want to say to you, God did not refer to him. 
And some thought that Judas, the, the trusted treasurer, were being told to go and buy what was needed for the Passover celebration or perhaps to give something to the poor. So Judas left quickly and went out into the dark night to betray Jesus. You see what, what happens on this exposition here is that Peter is sitting around the table and now Peter is going to believe that he is the betrayer of Jesus. And Jesus is going to tell him, Peter, this night before the crow crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times before the crow crows. Not the crow, the cock. The rooster. Okay. Same thing. I don't hope, I hope it's the same thing. Before the rooster crows, you're going to betray me three times. And here Peter is walking with this thing. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I want to say to you, as long as you are walking focused on the area of struggle, you will never break through. As long as Peter was trying to please Jesus, trying to outperform him, trying to show and prove to him that he is the best between all the disciples, he could never come to his full potential. And that's the thing of identity. Is identity is something that is scored and it's always based on the merit of love. None of my children never ever need to perform anything to prove themselves to be my children. They don't need to become doctors, lawyers, engineers. If they have to ask me, Daddy, what do you want me to become? I said to them, be the best version of you. Go and be yourself. And allow the Holy Spirit to create opportunities. But there's no work in this. No, there is. And I want to say to you, this is the season where God is dealing, dealing with fear in our hearts. Uncertainty. If you are feeling uncertain this morning, this is the time where God is dealing with certain uncertainties in our hearts, where He's crucifying and asking you to lay down that which mostly hurts you all, all the time. As I prayed this morning, the Lord showed me that there are people that are rejected in family. You've been rejected by family. And you have believed that that's the Lord's heart for you. You believed what they have said about you. And I heard the Lord say to me that this morning He wants to restore hearts that's been going through rejection. You are trying to outperform your brother. You're still in a competition of your sister-in-law. You, you're in a competition in your finances. You want to make it. You want to you wanna be approved for once. And the Lord said, my son, my daughter, this morning, I want to take that away from you. Because as soon as you can less care about trying to please others and be in it for me, I will raise you up. And I will change your whole destiny. And I will change everything for you and for the good of my name. Let's close our eyes this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, that this is a season of identity this is a time Lord where you want to come and touch our hearts in Pretoria you want to touch our hearts concerning the way that we look the manier ons uitkijk oor ons self the judgmental ideas that we have over ourselves 
Lord, uh, this morning I want to ask, Father, that there will be a healing because as long as the hair is still a minor, Father, he is still under the law. He's still as good as a slave. Father, this is the season where you want to make Galatians 4. You want to show us how we are in Christ. If you feel uncertain about your relationships, maybe, maybe you feel insecure, you are divorced. Maybe things have gone very wrong in your life, in your finances. Maybe things have taken the worst turn in your health. And you are just here this morning, you're saying, Lord, I want to just allow you, Holy Spirit, to touch my heart. Come and reveal your kindness towards me. Something that's not based on my works, but on your effort. Just where you sit there now, just invite the Holy Spirit. Just let him minister to you now.